welcome to the Onfair Podcast. Hello and welcome to the OnFIF podcast. My name is Lewis McClellan. I'm the editor for the Digital Monetary Institute here at OnFIF. And today we're going to be discussing the topic of buy now, pay later or BNPL and how to uh, regulate safely a market that has grown rapidly uh, over the past couple of years. Thanks in part to uh, some changes in the consumer behavior around how people spend money online. Uh, it's become a, a very popular, uh, very rapidly growing uh, new asset class. And as a form of consumer lending, it's very important that uh, this is regulated safely. And we've seen a lot of interest around the world in developing ways to do this. Today, to discuss this topic, I'm joined by uh, Wenbin Wong, head of GrabFin Singapore. Hi, Wenbin. How are you doing today? Hi, Luis. Thanks for having me on this podcast. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about Grab and uh, your involvement in the BMPL industry as well? Sure. Well, I, I think let me start off by introducing Grab and the region in which we operate in. First and foremost, Grab is a marketplace and we are live across eight markets in Southeast Asia. On the Grab marketplace, all the super app that we provide to our users we primarily offer daily essential services for all our consumers, merchant partners, and delivery partners in this region. So across ride-hailing, food and grocery deliveries, and financial services, these are the core pillars of our business and the use cases that we offer. Our goal is very clear and simple, to create economic empowerment for everyone. So specific to our financial offerings, we are committed to drive financial inclusion for the underbanked in Singapore and across the wider region. So that's our DNA, and that's where GrabFin's raison d'etre uh, comes in. So about GrabFin, while Southeast Asia has seen significant growth over the last decade, and we still see over 6 in 10 Southeast Asians remaining underbanked or unbanked today. And we believe that we can accelerate empowerment through providing accessibility to basic financial services through technology and through surgical usage of data and, and um, the services that we provide for our users. So more Southeast Asians can then have better access and control of their finances. The core of our product philosophy is to deliver simple, connected, flexible, and rewarding experiences for our users. So this covers a wide spectrum of financial services, including GrabPay and Buy Now Pay Later. We started GrabPay in 2017 to help our driver partners and consumers transact more seamlessly and to reduce disputes and to make just ride hailing and transportation safe. Now today, fast forward five years, GrabPay is the leading e-wallet in Southeast Asia. So we've been on a journey to make payments and services more seamless, safe, and convenient for everyone. But that's just the beginning. With the data insights that we've collected, with the transaction um, uh, insights that we've collected, we've been able to understand better the market dynamics and the needs of our users. So we introduced Buy Now, Pay Later to our users in 2019 to allow them the flexibility of purchasing items into four interest-free monthly payments or pay it all in the following month. That's how we got started into this space. 
It's very exciting. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to think about buy now pay later as a as a tool of um, you know economic empowerment and, and independence. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the your work in, in BMPL uh, in a little more detail? I mean, obviously this is this is a form of lending. So can you talk a little bit about uh, yeah how how that works? Uh, for you guys in, in relation to your balance sheet and, and the sort of uh, risks that, that lending entails? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, we don't see buy now, pay later as a standalone service. It operates and complements our offerings in conjunction with the other payment methods and financial services that we provide. So for example, it stands beside um, the payment methods that we support across all our local markets. In Singapore, we have the Singapore QR, in Malaysia, we have the Do It Now QR standards. In Singapore, we've also partnered with MasterCard to issue a prepaid digital uh, virtual card for our users so that you can then expand the, the acceptance and ubiquity of GrabPay across all the millions of acceptance points around the world. So, so that's an important context to see where how we had um, uh, how we see buy now pay later. So zooming into buy now pay later. We launched it in 2019, and that our approach was slightly different from other providers. We had focused on allowing our Grab users to have more flexibility in paying for their transport and food delivery services on Grab. So we started out our buy now pay later or Grab pay later offering with transport and food delivery services. Our users liked it for the convenience, the flexibility, and the control it gave them on managing overall spend and consolidating the expenses. It wasn't really a credit product. It was seen more as a convenience product, allowing them to then manage cash flow, has more visibility on overall spend on the platform. And this was during the time of the COVID pandemic restrictions. And that, during that time, you know, there, there were a lot, a lot of... Uh, um, spend coming online, a lot of spend on food delivery, on groceries. So, so this helped our users. Since then, we've then expanded the offering outside of the platform. And again, during the, the, the period of uh, COVID lockdown, we've seen a steady increase of Grab users turning to the service to pay for a wide range of, uh, of products, things like your you know, home office setup, uh, electronic products. These help our users contextually to, to be able to use credit when they need it and, and on the right items that they want to purchase. And with the advent and you know, uptake and, and rapid adoption of uh, buy now, pay later and pay later by Grab, we see the need to create a trusted BNPL service that is safe for consumers to, to use, uh, avoiding the, the, the downside or risk of a debt spiral. At the same time, useful for our merchant partners, the sellers, to be able to access more um, consumers, at, especially at a time when they, they can't sell in person. So as a tech platform, we rely heavily on data insights to help us understand user behavior better, to protect their interests from potential risks. So we've, with our users, we have put in place certain guardrails. Um, a qualifying assessment of our consumers before they are even offered the, the service. 
individually determine limits to minimize the risk of overspending tailored to, to their usage and tailored to their profile. Policies and, and principles to deter debt spirals, uh, such as when we miss a payment, we are not compounding interest rates, such as uh, an undertaking not to uh, pursue bankruptcy or legal recourse on our users as an if they, they end up having to miss uh, repayments. So we want to make sure that we are as transparent as possible with our BNPL offerings. And we see that there are certain things in which we can improve upon from how credit is being disbursed to our users. And we want to use those learnings and those insights to, to improve the experience for everyone. Yeah, fantastic. It's it's really interesting to see the, the speed with which uh with which this new service has, has been adopted. It seems to have been something that people were were really uh wanting. So can you talk a little bit about uh about why that is and, and the extent to which uh it's it's changed consumer behavior in, in your jurisdiction already? Yeah, I'll share a little bit more about how it has shifted over the last twelve to eighteen months. We launched uh, our pay later for e-commerce platforms and retailers uh, 18 months ago. And, and that was at the height of the, the pandemic uh, restrictions. So with, with just a base of users that were primarily transacting with uh, Grab's transport and right -hand, uh, delivery services, we've seen uh, our, our users um, at least triple in terms of their off-platform usage of platform meaning uh, on, on e-commerce uh, uh, brands and, and retailers. Um, we've also continued to see rapid adoption of um, buy now pay later services in Singapore and across the region. We're just now launching our in-store offering for, for pay later in Singapore. And that also will be followed by Malaysia um, in the coming months. Having said that, it's Still very early days, um, you know, at a recent industry sharing, uh, we've uh, gotten data to say that the buy now pay later transactions still amount to less than 1% of overall credit transactions or digital payment transactions in Singapore alone. So yeah, certainly still a lot of uh, continued room for growth there. Um, you mentioned before, uh, you know, the need for sort of responsible standards and so on. And I think it's something that, uh, well, perhaps perhaps not so much in Singapore, but certainly around the world, uh, regulators are looking very carefully uh, at, at this industry to ensure that new players, new operators are um, behaving responsibly and uh, and adhering to to appropriate standards. I understand there's a, a code of conduct uh, for for BNPL and Singapore. Can you talk a little bit about how that was developed and, and how you expect it to to set standards for the industry? Yes, and and how the code came to be was also because uh, we we felt that the industry had to uh, take a more proactive stance with the rapid adoption of buy now pay later services in Singapore and across the region. Um, it's we've seen the benefits and we've seen how it can improve customer experiences and merchant uh, sales. But the increased popularity, popularity of such services do come with a healthy dose of skepticism and concerns over misuse of the service. So that's how we wanted to approach the code. And that's where as an industry, we think it is important that 
uh, we standardize and codify a set of principles in which then we can protect the interests of our players within the ecosystem and support the development of the industry at large. And we've been working very closely with the relevant authorities, the regulators, the consumer protection groups and the interest groups to make sure that um, the services that we provide, that the, the broader industry we provide uh, serves the need of the market. Specific to Grab, we contributed and shared our know-how and deep understanding of our consumers to contribute to, to this uh, development of the code. We focus on the consumer protection aspects, and we believe that the code is a step in the right direction. So in providing the guidance to both uh, service providers like ourselves, uh, consumers, and also in engendering trust, that at least we are starting to codify a framework. So I'd like to touch on some uh, specific features of the code which are very relevant and in which we make sure that it's consumer-facing and easily understood. So firstly, uh, one of the recommendations of the code is to introduce a trust mark in which all BNPL providers need to go through an accreditation process to make sure that they are all, we are all adhering to the, the conduct um, statements and also providing the services transparently. And with the trust mark, it helps then for our consumers to be able to identify which of these, which of the providers are able to, to invest in basic, um, uh, principles and capabilities to protect their, their interests. We've also outlined clear advertising guidelines so as not to mislead consumers into overspending, into believing that they can uh, uh, spend outside of their means. And we prohibit aggressive solicitation so that no consumer feels like they are being coerced into buying something so that they don't feel misled into making a purchase which are not uh, necessary for them. So, so these are some fundamental hygiene features that we believe that all players in the industry will need to comply with. So as an industry, we do believe and acknowledge that these may be early steps, but it is important in creating such a framework with these principles to protect the interests of our consumers merchants, and ultimately the service providers will be able to grow and build from, upon these service, uh, foundations. Fantastic. Um, okay, great. Well, I hope to see uh, to see something similar uh, around the world. Uh, I mean, have you, are you aware of uh, similar efforts in other jurisdictions to, to establish some codes to the industry to, to operate on? As part of the code development, we, we reference heavily from the Australian um, uh, practice uh, where they've also issued uh, similar industry-led uh, conduct uh, code. Um, we've also drew references from the UK uh, learnings and experiences, especially on the introduction of uh, centralized credit bureau, uh, credit uh, sharing uh, bureau in which uh, BNPL providers are required to contribute to a centralized uh, platform. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch uh, credit intermediation activities outside of traditional banking growing so quickly. Can you talk a little bit about why why this business model is is growing so fast? Yes, and there are four mega trends uh, behind the growth of such activities. Uh, first is the proliferation of smartphone adoption, and also the uh, 
maturing and improvements to digital and data infrastructure across the region. Second is how we use the data in, in the context of our users. So with Grab, for example, we have the ecosystem and the use cases and understanding of our users. So we are able to put uh, credit or cash or working capital in the hands of our passengers, our drivers, our delivery partners when they need it. Third, with personalization at scale, we are then able to accord different credit scores based on our users' usage history on the platform. And this helps to make sure that we can then uh, broaden uh, access to services. And finally, access to last mile data, where and when the usage is being um, performed or the transactions are being performed down to the, the merchant or the spend. And because of the insights we have on transactions, we are then able to provide access to financial services for our, for individuals who hitherto may be underserved. So for example, uh, for consumers, this allows them to offer payment credit options, contextualize down to the item level that they are interested to buy and personalize to their credit history. For example, like a standing desk for the home office or a, a laptop for the school project. For drivers, we are able to offer micro loans with daily repayment options to avoid debt spiral and to afford life's necessities. Manage their cash flow for you know, school fees for their children, laptops for the family, cash flow for medical bills or insurance premiums. And for merchants, um, targeted and, and, and tailored working capital support based on the earnings, based on the trade flow, to help them grow their business in a sustainable way. And being on our platform, they are then able to, to expand their services and expand their sales to our consumers who are also in the same marketplace. And, and we believe that this should be guided by you know, principles of fairness, of transparency, and inclusivity for consumer protection, and which is also manifested in the, the BNPL Code of Conduct. And we believe that such uh, statements on fair dealings are enshrined in the code to make sure that we don't uh, uh, we have the right safeguards for our consumers. It also includes uh, make sure ensures that BNPL adverti advertisements are clear and not misleading, and that commitment by firms to sign up to the code to not pursue bankruptcy proceedings on consumers. So these are some of the things that we we subscribe to. Fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it is really interesting the way uh, that people are finding new ways to make use of the data collected in, in e-commerce to you know to provide credit and to inform better better consumer choices and so on. Um, yeah, really interesting process. So I wanted to to come back to the point you raised at the start about Grab as a means of uh, you know, economic empowerment for, for underserved sections of the population. And, you know, BNPL in that context is uh, is a really important new channel of credit for, for people who often don't have access to, to other channels. But the I guess one of the concerns from, from regulators' perspective is that uh, these underserved populations are also typically the least well-equipped to, to, uh, to make borrowing decisions, and are in vulnerable situations, uh, often economically speaking. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the, 
the provisions that the code of conduct makes to ensure that these groups aren't exploited and and that this lending is is a positive uh, addition to to the options available to them. Sure, two parts of uh to this question that I'll answer to uh one specific to the code and the provisions that it has been put in place. And more broadly speaking, how does uh, Grab approach uh, the, the issues and challenges that you've just highlighted? So firstly, on the code itself, um, there are very clear caps that are put in place for, for borrowers or, or users of BNPL services that um, uh, require that are required of service providers. For example, if a user is not has not provided income statement for means testing or credit assessment, the maximum limit that can be uh, availed to the user is 2,000 Singapore dollars. So until uh, the user is able to provide uh, uh, income statement or a proxy of income for assessment, um, this cannot be breached. Secondly, um, all of the service providers are required to share uh, credit data on a centralized service across all BNPL providers who are who have signed up to the code. So we would be able to assess if a user has has uh, made good or defaulted on other services so that then we do not over overextend on the on the credit that's being disbursed. So these are just two features and provisions within the code that helps to protect against this. At the same time it the code also or 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 providers who've signed up to the code have also committed to not um, pursue litigation or bankruptcy proceedings against our, uh, any of the users who have um, defaulted or not been able to make their repayments. So these are three provisions put in place. As for Grab, I think a large part of what we do is built on the data set that we've uh, accumulated on, on, on our users. and. We want to go further upstream, not only when the user has found he he or herself in a in a situation where they cannot manage the expense, but move further upstream. And this is based on our, our understanding of the users. So firstly, we don't allow all users to activate pay later, pay later by default. So we we go on a whitelist approach and our users are pre-qualified based on user behavior, based on usage, based on other uh, signals that we gather. Secondly, we design safeguards to make sure that our users are, are, are familiar with the risks. So as part of the onboarding, uh, some of the risks of uh, overspending and, and, and uh, that spiral is put up front to our users. We also have inbuilt features to help consumers and users avoid missing payments. So this is important because a lot of times our users have the means to repay and we make sure that uh, the repayment experience is seamless, straightforward and convenient. And we have policies to deter debt spirals. So anytime a repayment is missed, the service is paused and there is no compounding interest. So if a user decides that he or she would like to reactivate the service, a $10 administrative fee is charged. 
Interesting. Okay, I see. Um, so one of the one of the issues around buying a pay later that regulators are concerned about is not just uh, the making sure that individuals are, are treated fairly, but also that it's a rapidly growing new lending sector and, uh, you know, with, with retail credit exposure, and they're concerned about uh, financial stability uh, risks or, I guess, the, the sort of macro risks there. And I understand, you know, responsible lending practices are, are part of ensuring that the people um, pay those back. But I guess uh, there are questions like, you know, you can pause your BNPL service, but presumably across the industry, they might be able to still be uh, building up more debt via other services. So uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the approach to, to ensuring that, that, that level of stability as well? Sure. I think for me, this is a, a fairly um, short response in the sense that we are still in the very early days of uh, BNPL adoption um, relative to overall credit uh, unsecured uh, credit disbursement in Singapore, BNPL is still at 1% or below 1%. So in terms of the broader systemic risks that, that such, uh, you know, uh, defaults could pose to, to the, to financial system, um, it is still very much under control. Having said that, we are closely working with the regulators. All of the, um, providers who have signed up to the code of conduct are in close touch with the regulators to make sure that we continue to track the usage, continue to track default, continue to track uh, credit behavior of this service. Okay, interesting. And can you talk a little bit about uh, how the code of conduct was developed and you know, when you guys got involved in the process? So about 10 to 12 firms uh, participated and contributed to the uh, Code of Conduct Working Group. Grab was one of the founding uh, contributors together with two other providers, uh, similarly market leaders uh, in Singapore. And we developed it in conjunction with the Singapore FinTech Association as sort of like the project management uh, office helping to steer the, the broader conversation. And I think we'll leave it there. So thank you very much, Wenbin. Uh, really, really interesting discussion. It's, uh, the BMPL topic is, is a fascinating one. And, uh, and as you say, although it's grown rapidly, there's uh, certainly a lot more uh, room for growth to come and uh, an area that uh, regulators are, are keeping a very close eye on to ensure that it fulfills its potential as a means of uh, providing credit to, to traditionally underserved groups and, and uh, improving consumer choices but without creating uh, a new risk uh, in, in a, a sort of new new branch of retail, retail credit provision. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for joining me, women. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see you again. So thank you also for listening. Uh, thanks to our audience. Um, do remember to uh, subscribe. We're available on Spotify and Podbean and On Demand on our website. And uh, please do check out the rest of the website for details of our upcoming events uh, and reports as well. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast. 